Hey, welcome to Victory at Home. And whether you are watching from your living room or your mobile device, we consider it a privilege to be with you today. If you're just joining with us, we are in the middle of a series called Supreme, where we are talking about having and finding and operating our lives in the divine wisdom of God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it actually says that wisdom is supreme. And then it says, hey, go get wisdom. Now that word supreme there means superior, greater than others. So what Proverbs is saying is that when it comes to us having divine wisdom, that is the greatest thing we can have, that above all things, what we need is godly wisdom. Again, in Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon starts really breaking down the concept and the benefits of wisdom. And one of the things he starts to talk about is when it comes to hard times, when it comes to difficult seasons, when you have wisdom, you know where to lean. Last year, Darla and I took the kids to Disney World, and there was a particular time Darla really wanted to ride this particular ride, and it was like an hour-long wait, and we couldn't get a fast pass to it, and so, so we're standing in the line, and I'm getting tired and exhausted. We've been at the park all day and, and really all week. And so there are these trees throughout. If you've ever been to Disney World, you know that as you're standing in line, there's still themes and kind of a, an outlook, different things you can look at. And, and there are these trees. And Darla says to me, she goes, why don't you just lean on one of the trees and rest? And it's funny because you and I, if there's ever times in our life where we become tired, we look for places to lean. And so I did just that. I went to one of those trees and kind of leaned on it and got a moment of rest. And, and us spiritually and us physically, we do the same thing. We look for places to lean when we become tired. You know, one thing that's true is that we all need a place to lean. Whether we're having a hard week or whether we're just tired and exhausted, we need a place to lean, rest, and be restored. And again, because of what's happening right now in our culture and with COVID-19, it kind of feels like that we have been robbed of the places where we go to lean. Some of us, we like to lean at restaurants, right? Whenever we work a hard day, we like to go and sit in front of a big bowl of cheese dip and, and just rest. And again, that was kind of taken away from us. For some of us, we have a small circle group of friends and, and that's where we go to lean. And then, you know, we couldn't hang out or if we do, we have to stay six feet apart. Now that's been taken away from us. And I hear a lot of people say this, and I think it's kind of true for all of us, is that one of the number one places we went to lean was church. You know, you've had, a, you've had a hard week of work and then Saturday's kind of the, the day where you get all of the house, the work around the house done. And then Sunday was that day where you come in and you're tired and you're exhausted and it's your time to lean. There was nothing like leaning in the, in the atmosphere of corporate worship. There's nothing like leaning in the idea of fellowshipping with my friends and my brothers and my sisters, but that's been taken away from us. And now if we were honest, we're kind of asking this question, where do I lean? In a time like this where, again, it's, it's, it's a hard season of life and, and maybe some of us are just tired and we're exhausted, where do we lean? And that's what I love about Proverbs chapter 3 is what Solomon's really saying is that if we will find wisdom, divine wisdom of God, we will realize that God has not left us in this season, but in fact, He is showing us where you and I should lean. So, hey, I want to give you the title of today's sermon, and I want to break that down a little bit. So do me a favor. Get ready to comment below. Here's the title of the sermon. You ready? Write this in it. Write, lean with it. Right? You remember that? Lean with it. 
rock with it. Where, where do I lean with my life? Where am I supposed to lean? And Solomon tells us in Proverbs chapter three in four specific areas where exactly we should lean. The first thing that King Solomon tells us to lean with is our understanding. He says in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, do not lean on your own understanding, but on the understanding of God. So check this out. This is the wisest man in the world. He's lived his life. He's gone through ups and he's gone through downs and he gets ready to sit down and pin to us what wisdom really looks like. That if we're going to really grasp on to, to divine wisdom and be wise, here's what he says. You ready? He says, do not lean on your understanding. Don't look at the way you perceive things. Don't try to figure it out on your own, but instead lean on the understanding of God. In other words, if we don't know what to think, we'll think everything, right? Right. And this, what a season it is right now where we don't know what to think. We don't know who we can trust. We don't know what's truth and what's not truth. And right now, more than ever, you could think anything. And because of that situation, we are thinking everything. And what the Bible is telling us is that if, if you and I want to be wise, we should not lean on our understanding, but to look to the scriptures and lean on the understanding of God. I'll never forget it. I was over at a friend's house one day and I was helping him do some work on his house and we needed a ladder. And so he said, hold on, I got a ladder. And he comes back out with this ladder. And I'm not lying to you. It was literally like two pieces of wood held together with a rope. All right. So you got two pieces of wood and the rope is across and it's nailed in the side. And I'm like, you want me to get up on this thing? Like I, I was scared to death. And so sure enough, you know, what are you going to do? You got to do it. Right. So we set it up and I remember I started to climb up it and with every step you could hear it creaking and you could kind of feel it moving and it was so unstable. And with every step, the higher I got, the less trust that I had in this ladder. And I really started thinking like, man, I'm, I'm going to end up falling. And I'm going to end up dying. Like this, this was a scary situation. And it's really funny to me because I think about this ladder when I think about our understanding, right? That, that if, if you were to look at what our understanding, what our perspective, what our ability to know, right? It's a lot like this ladder. And the further we stand on it, the less we can trust it. And, and the further that we move up it, the less confident that we feel. For example, just look at all of the things we have going on right now, right? Let's just talk about COVID-19 and, you know, what's going to happen to my health? Is this ever going to go away? Do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Do I send my kids to school? Do I not send my kids to school? What's going to happen politically? What's going to happen in the election? Uh, will this ever go away? Will there be a vaccine? What's going on with racial divide? What's going on with my finances? Will I have a job? Will I not have a job? Will I be furloughed? Will I not be furloughed? Is this the end? of the world, right? Now we're even starting into those conversations. What's happening with the lack of coins? Are we gonna move into one currency? What's happening? And there's all of these things going on right now. And what are you and I doing? We're trying to climb up onto our understanding, right? And with every news article, with every conversation that we have, that understanding gets a little bit more wobbly and a little bit more unstable because we're trying to stand on our understanding when so much uncertainty is going on. And what the King, King Solomon, the wisest man in the world is saying is when it comes to all of that stuff, stop trying to stand on your own understanding, but instead stand on the understanding 
of God. Listen to this. Wisdom is what helps us have confidence. This is so good. That God is always doing what is best for us, even when we can't see it as so. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what our understanding is, I've had conversations with people, and I'll be honest with you, by the time our conversation is over, we don't know any more than we did when we started talking about it. Because there's a lot of things that are not left up to us to understand, right? But if we have wisdom, we will simply believe this, that God has the best for us, whether it looks like it or not. I don't, know, I don't know what to do, but what I do know is that God has the best in plan for me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Again, this man who's coming to us and saying, hey, you want to know what wisdom is? Wisdom is ask God which decision to make. Ask God which way to go. One of the things that I've got happening right now with my kids that I think is really interesting is with Veda, my 10-year-old, she's kind of in this season where she will ask us where things are before she will even look for them. Do you, do you have any of those problems? Like, like she's looking for a charger for the phone and she will come in and she'll say, Dad, you know where the charger is? And my first question to her is this, have you looked for it? And she'll say, uh, no, no. And I know she hasn't because it's literally sitting right where we left it the night before. And it's funny because I have this comment to her where I'll go, don't ask me until first you've looked for it. And I don't know if you guys act that same way, but it's so funny. One day I was in the middle of saying that to her. She came out and she said, dad, you know, do you know where the phone is? Or do you know where my shoes are? Or whatever things that I would not even know where they are. And I say, well, have you looked for them? And, you know, we start that whole argument. And one day, clear as day, God said to me, that's not the way I operate with you. And, I, and listen to me, I wasn't, I wasn't hearing from the Lord that, that I was a bad parent or that I shouldn't parent that way. But I think because that is the way we parent, we start to think that that's the way God operates with us. And let me explain what I mean by that. That when we're dealing with a situation, if we go to God with it, we think God's going to respond with, well, have you tried your ways first? Have, have you looked for a way first? That's not the way God operates. God says, come to me first. Don't try to figure it out on your own. Don't, don't try to make decisions based off of your knowledge and your information, but instead ask me for wisdom. Ask me for what decision to make. I think it's so important for you and I that when it comes to our understanding in this season, when it comes to all of the decisions that you have to make over the next week, few days and weeks and months, it's not that you and I should try to figure it out first and then when we don't know what to do, go to God. Listen to me. The first thing we should do is seek the direction of our Father. The first thing we should do is pray and ask God. That is wisdom. Wisdom is not to stand or lean on my understanding, but to literally build every decision on the understanding of my Father, on the understanding of His Word, and the understanding of God. If you need to know something, if you need understanding, you need to ask God first. I love that. King Solomon says you need to lean not on your understanding, but on God's understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 say this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new 
wine. Now remember, we're talking about having wisdom in a season that is hard, in a season that's exhausting, and knowing how to lean. And in all of these areas, Solomon's saying, in my understanding, I need to lean on God. And now he's saying, when it comes to my wealth or my finances, I need to lean on God. In a season like this, where again, uncertainty is so rapid and you don't know if you're going to be furloughed, you don't know if you're going to have your job, you don't know if COVID-19 is going to continue to spike upwards or downwards, you don't know if you're going to get that job or if you're going to get paid the way, there's all these different uncertainties that again, if we're not careful and we don't have godly wisdom, will start to make us become concerned about our financial stability and our wealth. And here's what King Solomon is saying. If you want divine wisdom, or better yet, when you get divine wisdom, you will allow your wealth and your financial stability to lean on God. If you want to know how much someone loves you and trusts you, allow them to handle your money. Am I right? Like you'll have people who will say to you, man, I love you. And then you start talking about money and you find out how much they actually trust you. And here's what I think King Solomon is ultimately saying that once you get to a place where you can trust God with your finances, then you'll be able to trust him with anything. Think about that. Once you get to the place where you can trust God with your finances, I think you'll be able to trust him with anything. There was a series we did kind of when this whole quarantine thing started. And we talked a lot about, you know, uh, different things, obviously, but one of the things we talked about was our financial stability. And I started breaking down the illustration that they're referring to in this proverb when it comes to to giving the first fruits. And we we talked about farmers and how they would farm these, you know, again, whatever they were farming, fruit, vegetables, that was their livelihood. And when that first fruit would come through, when that first harvest would come through, they had uh, they had to choose between one or two options. They could either take it, keep it for themselves, and then trust the weather and their ability to farm and trust those things to whether or not they would have more to harvest, or they could take that first fruit, offer it to God, and then trust God for the rest of the harvest. And I think that's the same concept with us, and it's what King Solomon here is talking about. He's saying, hey, listen, divine wisdom doesn't rely on weather, doesn't rely on whether or not they have a job, doesn't rely on their actual abilities or talent. Divine wisdom relies on the faithfulness of God. And when I trust God with my finances, when I tithe, when I give an offering, when I give God my first fruits, that is divine wisdom. That's my way of leaning my wealth leaning my financial stability on God. You know what's interesting is I have never heard anybody say, I regret tithing or I regret giving in an offering because every time that they leaned their finances on God, God came through in a faithful way. Here's what wisdom is ultimately saying. Wisdom is saying that I can give God my first and my best because I know that he can and he will give me so much more. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, it says this, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. You know, that illustration there, if you were to ever see somebody uh, pressing out wine, what they would do is they would have this area, they'd put all the grapes and so in it and the people would stomp on the grapes, but then there would be other uh, barrels or so to be able to catch the overflow. Because again, they're working the grapes, they're not really worried about whether or not the, the, the grape juice spills out. And so they're stepping on the grapes, but as that overflows, it still catches in other barrels. Can, can I tell you what a lot of us tend to do in our finances? is we get our wealth 
and we work it, right? We're the individuals stepping on the grapes. We are working our finances. And here's what we, whether we say it out loud or whether we say it inside, here's what we say. God, I will give to you out of the overflow, right? Like, let me, let me pay my bills. Let me get what I have to do so, that I don't, so I'm not evicted or so that I can eat. And then with what's left, the overflow, then I will give back to God. But, but here's what often happens is that we, even though we want to give out of the overflow, our heart is to give out of the overflow. There's just not much overflow, right? Because what we're doing is we're leaning on ourselves when it comes to our finances instead of leaning on God. When, when we start to allow God to control our finances, when we, when we tithe and we give and we lean our financial stability on God, watch this. Now, not, not are we giving to God out of the overflow, but we are allowing God to work on the grapes and we get to live out of the overflow. Did you catch that? So, so let, me, let me make it very applicable. When we tithe and allow God to control our finances, then now God is working our finances and we get to live out of the overflow. When you and I control our finances, we are working it and we are trying to give to God out of the overflow but there is no overflow. If I could give you just a real honest application, Darla and I, we always make sure to give first fruits out of our money. And then somehow every time it never fails, not only do we pay all the bills and do all that, but there is an overflow of money that we get to enjoy life with. We get to go on a vacation or we get to, you know, get something for the girls that they want. And it's always proven every month there is overflow for me to live out of. So instead of trying to bless God out of the overflow, I allow him to be blessed at first and I get to live out of the overflow. And if you know of anything about our church, at the end of the year, we do something called Purpose Prevails. And what's so cool about that is every year that we've done it, listen to me, every year that we've done it, Darla and I have been able to give even more every year because God makes that overflow bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we get to give out of it more and more and more. And I just hope you hear my heart today. That in a season where you, where you could be a little fearful, a little uneasy about your wealth and where you may be in financial stability moving forward, if you will allow that to lean on God, God will work it and you will get to live in the overflow. So King Solomon says that when it comes to our understanding, we need to lean on God. And when it comes to our wealth, we need to lean on God. And then thirdly, when it comes to our discipline, we need to lean on God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, it says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And as a father, the son he delights in. You know, no, here, here's just a true statement. You and I do not like to be corrected. Am I right? Like, like there's never a point where we enjoy being disciplined. In this world where it's freedom of speech and free to say what you want to say, the truth is that as leaders and as Christians, there should always be somebody in our life that is helping correct us and, and discipline us by scripture guidelines. And the truth is just this, we don't like it, right? I mean, it's, it's okay. It's natural. If you go back to as a baby, you didn't like to be corrected, right? You didn't like to be disciplined. As a toddler, you didn't like to be corrected. If you tried to not share your toys and you got in trouble, what do you do? You cried, right? As a teenager, 
you didn't like to be corrected. There was nothing you could stand worse than, than having to hear your parents try to correct you on something. Because even though they were 30 years older than you, they didn't know better than you, right? It's just hard to be corrected. As a young adult, you hated being corrected. As an adult today, you hate being corrected. And then listen to me, even as you become a, an, a senior adult, a grandma, a grandpa, I heard a friend of mine tell this story where he watched his brother and their grandmother get in an argument about a bald eagle and whether or not the eagle was bald. And his brother was saying, you know, listen, it, the eagle's not bald. It's just that because of the color of the feathers and so on, it, it appears bald. So they call it a bald eagle. And his grandmother was saying, nope, you know, it has no hair. And so they looked it up. I think, I think this was years ago. So they looked it up in the encyclopedia. And sure enough, the brother was right. The bald eagle was not bald. And his grandmother said, uh, I don't believe that. I believe it's bald. Because even, even in our oldest age, we still do not like to be corrected. But, but watch what King Solomon is saying. When we have divine wisdom, not only do we lean on God for our understanding, not only do we lean on God for our wealth, but listen to me, we lean on God for our correction. You and I are not perfect. And if we're going to be Christ-like leaders, we have to be able to be corrected. And we have to be willing to lean on God for it. You know, I have learned that there are actually three ways that you and I tend to respond to being corrected. Number one is we become defensive, right? I see this in my 10-year-old all the time. If you try to correct her in something, she has to tell you her side of the story. She has to tell you why she did that and what the reasoning was, and she has to bring in her little sister, or it was because she felt this way. It's, it's this defense mode that we go into, where again, we feel attacked, and so we want to attack back. We want to have an excuse. That's one of the ways that we respond when we're corrected. Now, here's the second way. We close up. So one way is to, is to attack, it's to come at, and then another way is to close up, is to ball up. And we start kind of being offended or we get into that mindset of, oh, now that person doesn't like me anymore or I'm in trouble and I'm not perfect and that person hates me. And, and so we just, we decide to leave. I can't tell you how many people I've had in my life who allowed me to be a leader in theirs, a mentor, but the very first time that I tried to correct them before you knew it, they were gone. Because there's, there's, they tend to think that maybe the friendship isn't there, but that's not the case. The case is that if you love me and I love you, and we're trying to guide each other in a Christ-like lifestyle, there is going to be a time where I need to correct you. And there's going to be a time where you need to correct me. And instead of becoming defensive or instead of balling up and getting my feelings hurt and running away, we need to stop, receive it, and watch this, be appreciative of it. There's actually a verse in Proverbs that says, uh, uh, one who hates correction is stupid. How about that, right? You, you, don't, you don't get any more point blank than that. So we either become defensive, we close up, or here's the third way, we just receive it. Listen, when I first got started in the ministry, there were two people in my life, and I will never forget them. One was, in, was the executive pastor of our church when I was the children's pastor, and the other was the executive pastor of our church when I was the youth pastor. So one was uh, a woman by the name of Pastor Sharon, and one was a man by the name of Pastor Don. And now the whole purpose of these two individuals in the seasons of my life were to be simply correction. That the pastor at the time was there to cast vision and to be an encouragement and constantly inspire me and, and, and just, you know, just 
fill me up and send me out to change the world. But these two individuals were there to discipline me and to correct me. And I couldn't stand them. I, I, I hated them. I would come home and talk about how much I hated them because every conversation I had with them was about correction. And I hated correction. I think we were children's pastors in our, in our low 20s. We were youth pastors in our late 20s. And so, you know, you couldn't tell us anything. Like, and if we ever got corrected, not only did we get defensive, and I'm talking about Darla and I, but, or we would even close up and become offended. And, and again, my relationship with Sharon and Don was just awkward because I couldn't stand them, right? Now watch this. Fast forward to the season of our life. We're getting ready to move here and plant Victory Church. And the two of the most wise individuals in my life, two of the most uh, foundational parts in my life, two of the people that I stood on the most for encouragement, for wisdom, the two people that I kept going back to for advice and leadership, Pastor Sharon and Pastor Don. Why? Because I knew that they were disciplined in the Lord. And I knew that even though I didn't like it, I needed it. I needed what they were giving me in that season. I needed that discipline. I needed that correction. And it was that correction, that discipline that changed my life. And those two have become two of my most favorite people in my world because I started to receive it and accept it. And I will always go to them when I need wisdom. I'll go to them when I need a truthful answer because I know God has given them. He has gifted them to me to be somebody in my life who brings correction. Let me ask you this. Who has God gifted you with, gifted you with in your life to bring correction? And when they correct you, how do you act? Do, do you become defensive and attack them? Do you close up and try to start to distance yourself from them? Or do you receive it and thank them for it? Because if you will receive it, God will bless you because of it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says this, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Is that not great? No discipline. I've never been spanking my children or, or disciplining my children and have them look up at me and go, hey, thanks, dad. Thanks for the discipline. It doesn't happen, right? Nobody's thankful for discipline in the moment. But watch this. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Do you catch that? that? That is one of the most incredible Bible verses you will ever read. I'm going to read it again for you. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. I think we all pretty much agree on that, but watch this. Later on, could be a week later, could be a year later, could be a decade later, it produces a harvest of righteousness. In other words, that correction makes you a better person. That correction makes you a better uh, spouse or, or a better parent or a better child or a better Christian, right? And then peace for those who have been trained by it. And I love that word, trained by it. In other words, when you and I experience correction or discipline in our life that is godly discipline, we need to start looking at it as training. Now listen, all kinds of training is difficult. Whether you've been in, in, in the army or whether you like to train in the gym, whatever, it's all exhausting, it's all tiring. Again, it can be difficult, but you know you stick with it because the end result is worth the training. And so what King Solomon is saying is this, hey, when it comes to discipline in your life, lean on the wisdom of God. Let God's word and let godly people bring correction and bring discipline and train you 
to be the man and woman of God that you can be to fulfill the calling and the purpose that God has on your life. So what King Solomon says is this, when you and I have divine wisdom, we will lean on God when it comes to our understanding. We'll lean on God when it comes to our wealth. We'll lean on God when it comes to our discipline and our correction. And then last, we'll lean on God when it comes to our future. Again, with all that's happening, I think probably the, the number one thing that we are all concerned about is the future. I had all these plans, you know, 2020 was going to be the year and we were going to see this and we were going to see that. And I had vision for my family and for my church and for my relationships. And, and now we're kind of finding a little, finding ourselves a little hopeless when it comes to the future. And King Solomon says, when you and I have wisdom, we will lean on God about our future. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 35, it says this, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Nothing you desire can compare with wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. So she's a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. And by his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Do not lose it. Preserve sound judgment and discretion, for they will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way. Watch this. Then you will go on your way in safety. What about my future? You'll be in safety and your foot will not stumble. Despite what happens, despite what you read, you will not stumble. And when you lie down at night, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep, I love this, will be sweet. How many of you are having a hard time sleeping right now? When you have wisdom, you will lay down at night and your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. No matter what's happening around you, God will protect you. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due for when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. In other words, share wisdom right now. If you've got this wisdom, share it with your neighbor. When you already have it with you, do not plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason for when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways. For the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. So King Solomon says that when it comes to our future, that we should lean on God. In those verses, he says, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing, you know, wh whether you experience catastrophe, whether people around you are experiencing hardship, you will be at peace. You'll be able to lay your head down at night and have a sweet 
sleep. You will not be caught in the snare because God's hand is on your future. Divine wisdom tells me that in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of the entire world around me going crazy, I can find peace in God when I lean my future on God. You know, one of the verses in 13 through 35, Solomon's talking about wisdom and he says that in her right hand is long life and that in her left hand are riches and honor. And I thought that was so unique. Again, you're trying to imagine, here's wisdom holding long life in this hand and riches and honor in this hand. And then it goes on to say, embrace wisdom. And one of the illustrations that I felt the Lord show me was this. Sometimes if we're not careful, we, we will pursue wisdom for something specific. I, I want wisdom so that I can have long life. Or I want wisdom so I can have honors and riches. And what King Solomon is saying is you need to pursue wisdom, divine godly wisdom, and allow your entire life to lean on God, and then you will get it all. So let me give you the illustration. If you were to come and give somebody a hug, you put your hands out for a hug, and when somebody embraces you, these two hands tend to wrap around them and embrace them back. So what King Solomon is saying is this, is when you pursue wisdom as a whole, when you're going after a relationship with God and godly wisdom and leaning your future and your entire life, when you are pursuing God for God, then you get these things in the process. So we're not pursuing wisdom for a long life, and I'm not pursuing wisdom for honors and riches, and I'll go even further than that. I'm not, I'm not pursuing wisdom for just my wealth, and I'm not pursuing wisdom for just correction and discipline or for just clear understanding. I'm pursuing divine godly wisdom for a stronger relationship with God. I want to embrace God. And when I embrace God and embrace his wisdom and embrace his words, all of these things, my understanding, my wealth, long life, honors and riches, correction, discipline, my future, I get it all when I am embracing God. So, so can I just pray something over you today? Again, as you're trying to get ready to make a lot of decisions and, and as we live in a world that's, that's just filled with uncertainties, can I just encourage you to embrace the presence of God, to pursue divinely wisdom? Let me say it like this. I want to talk right to you for a moment. I know you're tired and I know that you're looking for a place to lean and you're wondering, where do I lean? I can't lean right now on Sundays in my church. I, I can't lean at some restaurants. I can't lean with some of my friends. I can't even see some of my family. Where do I lean? More than ever in this season, you need to lean on God. You need to lean on Him with your understanding. Quit trying to figure it out and turn to scriptures. Allow Him to tell you which paths to take. You need to lean on God when it comes to your financial stability and your wealth. You need to lean on God when it comes to discipline and correction. You need to lean on God when it comes to your future. Pursue and embrace the presence of God, and you will get all of those things in the process. Father, we thank you right now for your word. I thank you for King Solomon. I thank you that, that again, he walked out this life, and he was given this wisdom by you, and he sat down and penned it on paper so that thousands of years later, we could read it, and we could apply it to our life. And in a season where we're just looking for somewhere to lean, we could see that we can lean on you. We can lean on your word. We can lean on your presence and prayer. We can lean on godly relationships and friendships. Father, more than ever, we need you. I pray right now for the person that needs you when it comes to their understanding. They're having a very hard time wrapping their mind around 
some of the things that are happening and some of the decisions they have to make. And I pray you would give them wisdom and you would show them which paths to take. I pray right now for those that are having a hard time with their finances and with their wealth. And I pray that they would lean on you. I pray for those that are, that are giving faithfully, that they would continue to be able to, to tell testimonies of how you've continued to provide. And for those that are really beginning to struggle, that they would lean and allow you to take over their finances. I pray for those right now who are in a season of, of discipline and correction, who are learning what it means to not only receive correction, but to be excited about it. Because God, you have a calling on their life and that they will embrace the, that leadership and that correction and that discipline. God, they can be elevated to the season that you have them called for. And then God, especially for those who are just struggling with their future. They have no hope in, in, in what they thought was going, the plans they had and the, and the vision they had for this year, it's all gone and they're becoming hopeless. I pray they would turn to you. I pray they would lean their future on you and they would find that divine wisdom and it would draw them closer to you and they would be able to find the rest that only you can give. For Lord, your scripture says that those who are weary would come to you and find rest. And that's what I'm praying right now is rest for those that are watching. Father, we thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I wanna really encourage you, whether it's your understanding, whether it's your wealth, again, whether it's a season of correction or whether it's your future, the word is so clear that if you're tired and you're weary, come to God and find rest. And I wanna encourage you to read those verses again and ask God, how do I lean on you in these particular situations? You know, when it comes to divine wisdom, the wisest thing you and I can do is give our heart to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you will be saved. And I want to encourage you, whether you'd like to know more about salvation or more about discipleship, or maybe you'd just like to connect with us, I'd ask you to text this number. It'll be able to send you a digital connection card to which will come back to us and we'll be able to reach out, answer any questions you have, and continue to help you with your walk in finding divine wisdom. Hey, do me a favor, subscribe, connect, comment, and make sure to be back here next week for Supreme Part 3. Have a great day.